you're in a situation where the child, and in this case the child would be the party and its, its future candidates, the child is the focus. And if we cannot do what we need to do for that child, then we don't need to be in the positions that we're in. Welcome in, kids. Another fantastic week of your uh, favorite political podcast, Alabama Politics This Week. I am Josh Moon, and that is... David Person. Yes, sir. Uh, before we get to my genius, uh, let me just tell you uh, that we are... Yeah, we are. It's going to be that kind of show. Uh, yeah, because I'm listening. I don't get many victory laps, and all I'm right. taking the shit out of this one. All, all right? right. So, you can go, go with it. Go with okay. it. Um, we, we will have some interviews that you really, really want to hear today. Uh, oh, Philip yeah. Enzler, uh, who is uh, the first Jewish representative uh, in a number of years. Yeah. Uh, in modern history, we'll just say that. In modern history, uh, to be elected to office, who, who was the only Democratic flip in the state, and uh, assuming that uh, uh, there's not a challenge to David Cole winning, because he definitely did not live in this district. And, mm-hmm. and District 10. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also, also, uh, save the best for last. Uh, there is a Randy Kelly interview mm-hmm. uh, with us that you're you're definitely going to want to hear. We've mm-hmm. already done it, so you're going to want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe me. Uh, oh. And some of you are going to be, some of you will nod your heads in agreement, and some of you are going to be shaking your heads in disbelief. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's... Uh, and there's gonna be a lot of the dis- <laughs> a lot of disbelief and something. It's uh, it's uh, um. I think he's something. gonna get. I think he's gonna get a lot of amens, yeah, and I, I also think so. he's gonna get a lot of people that are gonna be cussing him out. Yeah, he probably <clears throat> right about that because he it's. I, God, it's so it's so. I don't even know the right words for this. I really don't. I don't know the right words to say about what took place in that interview. I mean, I, I, and I, I don't, uh, I don't dislike Randy Kelly. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't disagree with, with him on some things. Um, I agree with him on a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. but I think maybe we're not handling this in the best way possible to do it. Uh, well, it, it's, uh, it's, it's what they used to call sort of a brass knuckle style of politics. Yes. Is what I would, I would, how I would characterize it. And I don't know that that's, that that really is compatible with the culture today. Yeah. Know? And, and I think it's also kind of incompatible with the climate in which he finds himself in currently mm-hmm. where there is such a division within the party. And, um, and, you know, there are a lot of people that are very skeptical because listen, it's, it's one thing for there to be a bunch of skeptics in the room. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are a mm-hmm. lot of, whenever the Democrats gather, there are a lot of skeptics within the room when it comes mm-hmm. to Randy Kelly and Joe Reed or vice versa, the mm-hmm. other side of that. Uh, That's right. Folks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there, there are a lot of skeptics there. But it's also what everybody's got to keep in mind is with every one of these fights, you lose an opportunity to get funding from some entity out there that says, I don't want any part of that shit. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't mm-hmm. want any part of that. Whatever is going on with them, y'all figure that out, then come back to me. Because otherwise they think that they're just 
throwing money, you know, they're just setting money on fire, basically, yeah. uh, to give yeah. it to, to, to Democrats who are who are fighting amongst themselves in this manner. And so, you know, this has got to be corrected at some point. And listen, I I will say, if you're looking for an expert on election matters, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, Josh. I appreciate you pumping me up that no, way. I, I was not talking about you. Oh, oh, my bad. Talking my about bad. myself. My That's bad. right. <laughs> so I wanted some sort of special music, uh-huh. uh, you know, for myself for today, uh, just to just to honor my, as I said, my my political genius uh-huh. uh, in predicting what was going to take place. Listen, I no, in all honesty, as I told some people the other day, I mean. I, 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 when I wrote that column talking uh-huh. to them, and when we talked on here about what I thought was going to happen nationally and where uh-huh. I thought abortion was going to be the driving issue, I honest to God kind of felt like I was cheating because mm-hmm. there had already been votes cast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there had already been people voted about these things. There had already been elections that had been held where we could clearly see what the top issue was. And you're talking about what happened in Kansas and, um, yeah, and the That's special exactly. elections and yeah. all the early voting. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. we we could see all these things happening in real time. And people were just like, no, it's going to be the economy and inflation and Joe Biden's unpopular. It wasn't. It was never that. Hell, Joe Biden was more unpopular in those special elections than he was today. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're in Tuesday's elections. I mean, it was far more unpopular then. He was in the like, low 30s. He's up around 40% now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, it's just, it was, I felt like, I, I mean, I honestly, it was one of those things that seemed so obvious to me that I almost felt like, well, am I, am I not seeing something that, mm-hmm. that these other people are seeing here? With no, this I stuff? think, I think you, yeah, you were, I think you were right on point, but I, I think in, to add to what you're saying about the, um, <clears throat> pardon me, about the evidence, the, uh, the anecdotal evidence um you know there's uh there's it's really been obvious over i'll say the past six months six to eight Mm -hmm. well maybe even eight months that uh that donald trump's hold on the republican party has been loosening it's been loosening and i think when um when um when the supreme court overturned roe v wade uh, there was such an intense backlash. And mm-hmm. in fact, the New York Times did an interest, interesting, um, there was an interesting graphic that they produced indicating uh, how many women had begun to register to vote, mm-hmm. you know, since the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I know in Alabama, the number was like 3%. Yeah. You know, which, you know, may not be the a huge number, but it's still significant, even in this state. In this state, it got to be so intense, another indicator to what you're talking about, even though he won re-election and so forth. What may have helped him in part was that uh, Tom Butler actually took some steps back from yes. the Republican Party as it relates to abortion. And while he was still claiming to be pro-life, he said, but, he said, but I don't support, you know, uh, restricting 
uh, or banning even abortions when it comes to rape and incest. He took a step back from his party. Yeah, he did. Not only did he take a step back, he took a very public step back Mm -hmm. in in terms of uh, ads and in terms of push polling that he put out there for his campaign put out. They made it one of the top things at the top of that push poll that Tom Butler was not against abortion. He was against abortion in all cases. Uh, up to the point of birth, which is not right. a thing, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it is, I, I'll tell you, man, what it, it, what the, you know, I like to be right. Okay. I'm not going to lie. Everybody likes to be right. I'd like to be right. But it was also irritating to me that I, I watched for two or three months Democrats from one, into the country to the next allow themselves to be steered away from uh, abortion issues, social security and Medicare and the January 6th, uh, you know, denying the election results. stuff. these are the three winning things. Mm-hmm. Listen to me and James Carville. It's something about losing your, all your hair and being yeah. from the South and, and having a funny accent. Yeah. That, it's I mean, deadly combination. I, I guess. I, I mean, but it's just these are things that register with normal people. Normal people look at what happened on January 6th and say, that's not right. That's messed up. Mm-hmm. And then they hear people say, well, that election could have been rigged. And, and normal people say, oh, the fuck it wasn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, we all know you're lying about this. Right, you know, right. we know that Donald Trump is a crazy person. Why? Why are you pretending like he's not a crazy person? Right. Yes. We, we respond well in a lot of ways to this America first attitude and wanting to build, you know, create jobs in America and wanting to buy America first. I think a lot of people respond very, very well to that. Mm-hmm. But the crazy has gotten to be too much, you know, for, yeah. for the for the regular folk in America. The crazy has gone over the top. That, there's well, a this, real Trump fatigue out there. And I say Trump fatigue because I think when we talk about the crazy, that's really where the that's that's the that's where the crazy's coming from. It's coming sure. from Trump. And sure people is. are people are tired of it. And in fact, I've even I'm even hearing just as I monitor the national media, it, it, it suggests it, it sounds as though the Republicans don't want him tipping into Georgia. For this runoff between Warnock and and Walker, they want him to stay the heck away from Georgia. Well, <laughs> let me just send a message to Donald Trump. You don't listen to them, Donald. You know what you're doing. <laughs> you get over to you get over to Georgia and you just hang the hell out, man. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you Make talk as much as possible about how you were cheated, how <laughs> this right. election stuff doesn't, you know, it was all wrong, uh-huh. and that you alone can turn this thing around. Get That's over right. there and, and save them, and don't listen to this other stuff either. That's about right. how how this the you know it's time for people to turn their backs on you. No, no, no. Donald Trump knows what he's doing, and Republicans would be well uh, w- would they would serve them very well for them to keep listening to Donald Trump. Don't he, y'all listen to this nonsense. It's a bunch of Democrats. To, he needs to he needs to go on and just go ahead and book a book a suite at the Omni that's, at the at the top right. of the Omni there in a hotel. Right. Go on and go on and get that. I was in I was in there one time uh, interviewing uh, Little Richard. Go on and get one of those Little Richard suites up there. Just camp <laughs> on out for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. And I, listen, and my message to all Democrats and especially uh, the folks at MSNBC uh, and around, y'all shut the hell up, okay? Y'all shut the hell up talking about Donald Trump being uh, being bad for the party. All right, just shut up about that.
You let them figure that out 15 or 20 years from now. Okay. All right. I mean, yes. I, and they're not going to. I mean, if they couldn't see that the guy lost the White House, the House, and the Senate all in four yeah. terms, you know, four years yeah. span, yeah. then they're not going to, they're not going to catch on now, I don't think. But, uh, you know, it's, I, I mean, you cannot, at, at the at the base of all this, though, is abortion. All right. And, uh, you know, as I was talking to a couple of, of Republicans, um, you know, who we disagree on on the abortion issue, uh, you know, to a point, to a point, um, you know, because I, I feel like this is this is not my business. You know, this is what I I have. If you ask me in my life, what what what's my line on abortion on this? Well, I have one. You know, I have one. I have one where up to the point where I think it's right. OK, but I've also noticed that I don't have to carry a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so my opinion, while I think it matters in terms of, you know, the, the child, the fetus that will eventually be my child. I think my opinion does matter and carry some weight between me and the person who's carrying it. Um, I also believe their opinion, their status, their health, their beliefs, they matter more. Absolutely. They are the ones that are burdened with this task, this Absolutely. unimaginable, unbelievable task. Um, and, and, not and, only, and not only does their opinion matter more than yours or mine, as the case may be as men, mm-hmm. but, but there is, as Warnock, I think, has very uh, adroitly said it, there's not enough room in that patient's room for the doctor the the pregnant woman or the pregnant person, as we like to say these days, and and that person's significant other, and then the government too. That's yeah. just and the local the, politician. Yeah, now, the local listen, politicians. It's not I am convinced that was the end out. of yeah. Oz's uh, campaign. Oh, really? Uh, you know, when he said that about the the local politician, that was it. That was a wrap. It, mm. would, it didn't matter at that point. It didn't matter at that point if John Fetterman had another stroke. All right. Mm. Um, which he never should have been, never should have been an issue. If you've been around uh, stroke victims uh, in any capacity, you know, you know that, yes, while it is having one stroke does make it statistically more likely that they may have another one. You also know that there is a, pe- a span of time where they are getting better and better and better. And it's going to take a little bit of time to to overcome the effects of that. And that's all this was with, mm-hmm. with the speech issues. And he'll be he, he should be perfectly fine. Uh, well, he in sounded, a couple months. Apparently, he was sounding pretty good in those last uh, those last yeah. few campaign appearances. From what yeah, I he, he was he's doing a lot better, and and mm-hmm. he'll get he'll continue to get better and better and better as this goes along. Uh, you know, assuming he take he takes care of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I just you you can't take away a right that people have held for fifty years and expect that there's not going to be some backlash from that. Okay, you just can't do it. And the idea that we could just so quickly move away from this, uh, this abortion thing, and and that Republicans would pay no political consequence whatsoever for this, um, for the way it came about, for the uh, domestic supply of infants line, uh, for, you know, for the lying that those Supreme Court justices did to Congress in order Mm. to get this thing passed. Mm. uh, you know, the idea that you were going to not suffer consequences from this was idiotic beyond belief because 
the economy is going to fluctuate, and most people understand that. And while they may be unhappy with higher gas prices or with higher prices for this or that, they know that things are going to stabilize in one way or the other in the course of the next few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, forcing a 12-year-old to have a, a baby mm. because of rape or incest, that's mm. permanent. You know? Man. And I think that was that was another very damning um, <clears throat> image, I think, that was seared into the minds of a lot of people, people that are staunchly, you know, hard, hard pro-life people. I think they mm-hmm. looked at that and like, wait a minute now, that that doesn't feel right. Yeah, that just doesn't feel. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, that. And then and then and then of all things in the last six weeks of this. To be given the gift of Republicans talking openly about cutting Social Security and Medicare. What the fuck are y'all doing? You know, (laughs) what are you doing? Did you not want to win? I don't understand what you're talking about. That's that arrogance, man. That's that arrogance, man. I mean, my God. I mean, you know, and let me also say this. We will never in our lifetimes experience a better politician and a better order than Barack Obama. I knew you were going to say that. What that man did in the last few weeks of, I mean, going from state to state and the speeches he gave and the clips of those speeches that went viral left after, you know, right after left, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. just, uh, oh my God. He is so good at at all of it. And can we say, yes, he is so good, without question. But you know what really makes him good, look good? When you juxtapose him with Mm -hmm. Donald Trump trying to do the same thing. Yes. It's like like trying to compare, it's like trying to compare your college professor Mm -hmm. with your your snotty-nosed kindergarten classmate. I mean, it's really that bad. Oh, it's it's awful, man. It is. It is. He is so eloquent. He is. But more so, he is eloquent without being snobbish. Yeah. And and he has a unique ability to drill down to a point that is that 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 makes complicated issues um, palatable for every person that's listening to him. Um, and, and we don't have that. And I, listen, I know a lot of the things, a lot of his speeches and things are pre-written. Uh, even a lot of that stuff, it seems like it's off the cuff. A lot of it, they've, they've mm-hmm. written it out. Uh, and he works with the, the speech writers and, and all this to, to write these things out. But it, so it's always made me wonder, why the hell can't we just do this for everybody? And I know that, that given those speeches in the way that he gives them, is some is a unique ability that, you know, it's just like saying, well, why can't you hit, you know, like yeah. Aaron judge, you know, I mean, you just, you know, yeah, you everybody can. can't do it. Yeah. Everybody I mean, you know, why, why, why can't everybody quarterback at 42, like Tom Brady, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, you, you can't do it. And, yeah. and, but at the same time, it seems like that team of people have a real ability to, to boil things down to to the simplest forms and and relay them to the American people and um, I wish that that we could get more of that from from everybody. Um, well, he's I mean not to not to prolong this too much, but I mean Obama's a special case. I mean he really yeah. is a unicorn in a lot of ways in terms of his ability to be relatable, 
but also to be erudite. That's not, that's really not something you can teach. You no. either got that or you don't. I mean, you can have the best speech writers and whatever else, but if you, you know, that he's in a unique, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not saying he's in a class by himself, but he's in a small class. There are not a lot yeah. of people that can do what he can do. No, no. And, and I don't, I don't mean to suggest that, this, mm-hmm. that they could. Well, all I was saying is, 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 <sighs> I feel like a lot of times most candidates, on, especially on the Democratic side, you know, because, we, you know, we're, we're we think about things a little more. I'll put it like that. All right. That we, we get too lost in the explanation and and we we miss the simplistic uh, sort of avenue that, that we could have taken and, and instead just, uh, you know, we, we, we miss that avenue is what I'm saying. Um, and I think that, um, that, that maybe we could focus more on the boiling down of that, but, uh, regardless, you know, we are, um, we're better today than we thought we were going to be. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, unless of course we're talking about the state of Alabama. (laughs) Right. Well, I know your, your victory lab doesn't include Alabama because that's, you know, your, your red wave was, was about the nation and. Yeah. And I think we pretty much knew Alabama was going to be more or less Alabama. So yeah. Yeah. Here that, we are. Well, I got I got one of them. Uh, I, I may get the other one that I had as my in my prediction, uh, assuming that uh, that Maryland lands and the Democrats uh, file file a challenge to David Cole winning uh, because mm-hmm. he doesn't live here. But uh, we'll see. All right. I'll tell you what, though, let's uh, let's slide out of here. Um we will uh, we'll come back in just a minute uh, with with Philip Ensler talk about a bright spot uh, yeah, in the in absolutely. the state absolutely. and uh, we'll uh, you know Philip is, is good people and we're happy to have him uh, we'll be back in a minute Alabama politics this week. I'm David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, you listen to me and Josh every week, and we have a blast as we talk about Alabama politics and culture and as we interview newsmakers and journalists about Alabama politics and culture. Thanks for your support of this great podcast, and I hope that you will continue to not only listen, but to share it with your friends And also give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. Thanks a lot. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person. We are happy. Uh, Actually, I'm I'm pretty thrilled, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) Uh, Not just to have uh, Philip Ensler on the show, but also that the reason for why we have uh, Philip Ensler on the show, uh, he is uh, he's flipped a Republican seat uh, in Montgomery. He is the newest member of the of the Alabama House uh, of Representatives. Uh, And so, Philip, congratulations first of all, and thank you for coming on. Thank you. No, I really appreciate it, Josh and David, and it's. Great to be yeah. on here after months and months of, you know, all the talk and speculation of canopy flipped, what will turnout be. Uh, really a, a great feeling to be on here uh, post-election with the results working out the way uh, I and so many others wanted. Right. Well, I, I guess uh, let me let me start with with what the 
uh, the the last day or so has been like uh, we we record on uh, on Thursday uh, mornings or at this uh, Thursday at lunch, uh, and so yeah, just just what the, what has the last uh, the day or you know day and a half uh, been like for you? Sure. So uh, Tuesday night, found out the results. I think it was probably around nine. So it was pr- relatively fast and had a gathering of family and friends and you know, people who have been by my side uh, for a long time and uh, had my mom and dad and sister here. And then they had to, my mom and sister had to leave Wednesday morning. Uh, so we quickly uh, went and, and did the swearing in at 8 a.m. Wednesday. Um, and then spent the rest of yesterday just responding to calls and texts and, you know, really grateful for all of that. And now just, uh, it, it's nice for, uh, to at least have a day or two where I haven't thought, okay, where am I canvassing? What doors am I knocking on, uh, <laughs> this evening? And instead it's just, you know, getting to, to talk to people and, and catch up. So, uh, it's been a good, a good few days. What, uh, you know, so you will be uh, the first uh, Jewish person uh, to hold office um, or in the legislature uh, in, in quite some time uh, in this state. Um, and I know that that was also part of uh, you made that part of your, your swearing in ceremony. Um, as well, I read, uh, read and saw the photos of that. It was a, really a, a really unique and um, I thought just incredibly well done uh swearing in ceremony it was brief and obvious and now I've, I've learned that it was kind of on the fly and you had to you had to rush through it i didn't know that but um uh, what does that i've always wondered you know well because I've, I've talked to a number of people over the course of of my career in journalism that, that were the first you know the first black person to do this the you know the first woman to do this does, does that when immediate as this is now in the immediate aftermath of being elected, do you feel, do you feel a weight with that in any way? Or is it just something that's, that's kind of there that you, you recognize, but it's not something that adds any more to you. So it's a, a mix. And I would say, look, and I'm well aware that in this country, that the first being the first black, you know, of anything is, is a really big deal. Uh, and even more significant for so many reasons. So I certainly would not want to, would never put it, you know, on comparison or, or on that level. But there is always, I think, anytime someone from any minority group becomes the first or the first in a long time, um, there is that that celebratory aspect. But also that it, it is, it matters for a reason, and it matters that it shows that our government and our democracy then, you know, has representation of all people. Uh, so in, in that sense, I, I am really honored and, and excited about it. Um, you know, my, my Jewish upbringing though, and Jewish identity though, the, the core of that is, is the commitment to social justice though, and include, and the commitment to an inclusive society. So I view it as that those will be governing values of, right. When I'm looking at bills and looking at laws and talking about policy, you know, not just for thinking about you know, how it impacts Jewish people, thinking about how it impacts the community and state as a whole, um, but there's certainly some some uh, weight behind it of right. I don't want to let people down, and and also you know a little bit of of concern from you know others of that because it's been so prominently mentioned um, that you know does that in certain ways draw attention from those who uh, aren't happy to to see that. But um, you know overwhelmingly, it's been really good and and positive support about that. 
So, Philip, the big question in my mind is, what is the secret sauce? I mean, as we as we look across the landscape of Alabama politics, you're literally in a class by yourself, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think any other Democrat won, to my knowledge, anywhere. So what's the secret sauce? How did you do it and how can others do it? Sure. I mean, look, certainly uh, well, the, the new makeup of the district being majority black certainly made it favor a Democrat. But I, and to those, though, who are saying or will say that, oh, that that made it a shoe in for a Democrat to win. That's absolutely not true, because you have to get people to show up uh, to the polls. And you know that's where the secret sauce in this case was that we worked really, really hard and not just in the few weeks before the election, not just the stuff that optically looked good. Um, but, you know, when I've joked in the beginning, I mean, for months, you know, five, six days a week, I was in a different neighborhood of the district knocking on doors. And, you know, when you build that presence of attending neighborhood meetings and you know walking three hours a day in a neighborhood, um, you know, that visibility and starts to build and, and the reputation. Uh, but bigger than that, you know, I, I had been involved in, in the community uh, well before the election. So I, I the campaigning part was then just a reinforcement of these are the things I've been doing and with people that I've already known. So I think the sauce is, you know, if you only start showing up at certain neighborhood meetings or certain community events when it's election time, some residents see that for exactly what it is, politicking. Uh, but if they know that you've been, you know, in the schools in the neighborhood and in the district and you, you know, they have family members that, you know, right, that I've helped with certain cases, um, that made then the campaigning part a little bit more natural that it was just a continuation of the service I had been doing. So for anyone thinking of, of running or trying to flip seats, you know, I think that that is a key ingredient. Uh, but also, right, really the, the hard, hard work on the ground, uh, you know, in a grassroots way. So, so final question from me. What's top of your mind as you enter into this new phase of your life and uh, this this particular role? What's what's at the top of your agenda? What do you what do you hope to tackle? There is, is so much. And right now, even just, you know, learning the ins and outs of, of the state house or I know them a little bit, but but learning them even more so. Um, but, you know, for community members and residents that understandably are frustrated and tired of some of the same old politics, making sure that I'm putting systems in place where I'm not just responding to the congratulatory messages, but that you know, if they start to, if I find out about grant opportunities uh, that are coming up, that thinking about, do I have a website or a way to, to start to house those? Do I start to put together a weekly or monthly you know, newsletter for residents? So starting to share those resources and just have a, a good constituent service type program in place, you know, before any of the, the lawmaking or bills or any of that comes into place. I think having, you know, a good structure uh, and way that people can reach me in a variety of ways, right? By cell, by Facebook, by, by you know, website. And even if it's more old school, uh, right, you know, handing out, you know, paper copies of, of certain things. Um, but I think the biggest you know, question that comes up a lot for representatives is, right, are there funds available for certain programs or are there certain resources out there? So I think starting that uh, to, to tackle would be key to, to begin with. You know, um, I kind of to go back a little bit um, uh, to what David was talking about about the uh, the recipe for for being elected uh, as a Democrat. You know, I, I talked to um, a number of, of Republicans 
uh, in the Montgomery area um, over the course of the last few weeks and uh, and especially yesterday uh, about what happened in the election, you know, both nationally and there uh, in your race in particular. Uh, and they uh, they said that they felt like your campaign, you didn't really attack the the Republican candidate, uh, Charlotte Meadows. You didn't really attack her. And instead, you, you reached out to them uh, and you gave them reasons to vote for you. And um, so, I mean, I, I, you know, I know that, that, that it being redrawn and, and all the things that you said were played, a, played a big factor. But I, I also kind of feel like, and I don't know if, if this was a conscious thing or, or, or not, I'm assuming it was, uh, that you, you, you changed up a little bit of the way the campaigns were, are typically run in this state, uh, it seems. And and it seems like you you went a little different direction, and so I just or, or maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you know, so so tell me is is any of that right? Sure, no, that isn't. And I I reached out to as many people as I could, and there are certainly some that I I didn't sit down with or uh, obviously couldn't meet with everyone, but at least wanted to let you know I you know knew that I was so rooted in and connected in, in democratic circles in Montgomery and you know, knew that the right with certain Republican elected officials or uh, those that lean more to the center or to the right, um, whether it was people in the business community, uh, local elected officials and right, just wanted to sit down and say, look, we may not agree on everything. And, and I'm certainly not going to shy away from my stance on certain issues, but also that, right, there are things we have in common. And, and if I get in there, I look forward to working together on those. So I, I right, I really did try to take that conciliatory approach uh, to start and at least reach out to show the kind of person I am. And then, right, I mean, focus on on solutions and, and the things that we can do. And then, right, when my opponent, you know, starts mailing out stuff out of nowhere about, you know, really attacking <laughs> me from where I'm from, and walking the neighborhoods and talking to business leaders and talking to you know pastors where they're saying, well, hey, we're concerned about gunshots, you know, a mile away, or we're concerned about, you know, getting uh, a speed bump here. So, you know, cars don't fly through our neighborhood, or we're concerned about, you know, making sure that there's a really good after school program, right? So when they then start getting a mail or attacking me from being from New York and with faces of politicians that they don't even know, that did that, that I think rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and just struck them as really out of touch with what they're concerned about and what the needs are. And then, right, I, I think with some Republicans or moderates, independents, that uh, they just didn't appreciate the tone that, that that took. And I think, look, debating and having differences in a campaign on the merits of the issues and how we feel about Medicaid and you know public education, all those things are fair game to, to talk about someone's record in a factual way. But right, when you then turn it into this negative, nasty stuff that's not relevant to the everyday lives of voters, I think that turned a lot of people off as well. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And I, I, I really wonder if this is not um, uh, the recipe uh, for, for Democrats uh, throughout the state, uh, because I think that, that we, we've seen a lot of issues where, uh, where things get nationalized to a degree where we have this silly good versus evil uh, sort of situation that that's set up in these races where the Democrat in, in our state is the bad guy 
you know, that's re- aligned with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and then the Republican is, you know, fighting for your Second Amendment rights, uh, you know, as the school board chairman. Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's that silliness where we, we've taken national politics and applied it to every single position that people are going to run for. And it, it seems like the the answer to that, the kryptonite for that is to go out and sit down with, with the business leaders. Cause I know, uh, for example, uh, Charlotte Meadows, if I'm not mistaken, was the only candidate, uh, the only incumbent Republican that alpha did not endorse. Um, and, and I, I have to believe that's partly because you had, had reached out. I mean, maybe not to alpha, but to, to other people around and they understood that, you know, this is not a crazy New York liberal, you know, as they as Charlotte Meadows put in 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 those mailers, and uh, you know, I think we all know that it walked quite the racist line um, in a lot of and 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 bigoted line in a lot of those mailers that went out and a lot of the ads that went up on on social media, and I think that because they knew you, really turned people off, don't you think? It did right, and and for and this goes back, you know, for listeners who who don't know, you know, my background here in Montgomery was teaching at at Lee High School here, and you know, for all of the families and the students I had and their siblings and everybody that's known me for years, like yeah. that, they took that all very personally, and they're like, well, you know, Mr. Ensler, or you know, Phil is is you know, is more part of our community and visible. <laughs> you know, than, than, you know, than anyone we know. So, right. That, that, you know, messaging and, and I'll let, you know, the Alabama Republican party figure out, uh, you know, their communication strategy and the decisions they made on that, but right. No, focusing on local issues. And, and again, I'm not going to sugarcoat it or shy away from my, I, you know, social justice and equity are, are at the core of you know, who I am and, and how I would do and approach things but also recognizing that, that there is common ground and that there are these local issues that right aren't as, as you said, you know, nationalized or, or hyper-partisan uh, as some of the national stuff that very much on a day-to-day basis, there are things in the community. So, right, I, I would think, and we'll, we'll crunch the numbers, but you know, there was, you know, we certainly focused on getting the base out of, of Democrats. Uh, again, the district, you know, being 55% black, I mean, we really did focus on on making sure that we were not taking, you know, any vote, uh, especially in, in our, you know, base for granted. But then, right, also, uh, you know, when, and I want to say this, that I, and I say it's not to be negative now, but, you know, people look at the breakdown by precincts, you know, there's a reason we overwhelmingly won uh, in those neighborhoods that were, you know, 90% plus black residents, uh, because my, you know, my opponent literally did not go step foot in that, didn't attend neighborhood meetings, didn't try to campaign, didn't try to put signs out. Um, <clears throat> and you, you can't take people for granted. Now we then went into also neighborhoods that were majority white and we're told, well, Hey, those are Republican strongholds. And I said, well, let me at least knock on some doors there. Let me at least, you know, look people in the eye and right. Certainly got some, uh responses about that they would never vote for me but then there were others right on that that basic level said hey this guy seems all right and and trustworthy so right i think to answer you know full circle on the question right it's it's a a a little bit of everything of not taking the base for granted uh but it's doing the work even before election time and then right reaching out where you can at least to to find some common ground yeah, well, well, I, you know, we'll, we'll get you out of here, but I, you know, I've written and and said um, uh, 
you know, a few times now <laughs> that um, that Philip Ensler is a is a good guy uh, first and foremost. And uh, what and I know that what you just said is is a hundred percent true that the work that you did around the community has made a real difference, and that people rallied around you because they had seen you go to bat for them. Um, and and I think that carries a lot of weight as as well. Uh, and I think that what Montgomery voters did here is absolutely the right thing. And I think it'll pay dividends for them uh, for years to come, as long as you'll hang around and uh, and keep running for office. I think it, it'll pay dividends for them because these are you are the kind of person that people should go and vote for. The person that, that wants to build bridges, the person that wants to hear concerns from everybody out there, the person that wants to work for the community and to make things more equitable and to make uh, people feel like they belong. Uh, that's all anybody wants out of life is to feel like they belong where, wherever it is they are. Uh, and I think that this was a tremendous upgrade uh, not only for for Montgomery, but for the the entire legislature and the and the entire state, and really congratulations on it, and and I wish you well. Thank you, no, I, I really appreciate that, that Josh. And, and look, I know uh, you know there's a lot that I, I have to learn and and you know, adapt to the the state house, and I'm I'm grateful for you know mentors in Montgomery and and at the legislature who will you know help guide me as well. And, you know, I know I can learn a lot from them, but right, it's going to take, uh, you know, doing the, the hard work and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, listen, uh, if, if those Republicans can figure it out, I've got no problem. I, you know, I, no doubt you're going to be able to figure out what, how the, the state house works over there. Okay. I mean, some of these people, I wouldn't trust to water my plants and they, they've, they figured out how to navigate around there. I think you'll, you'll do just fine. So, uh, but th- listen, thank you for coming on and, and spending some time with us and, uh, and man, congratulations yes. and, and, ke- and keep up the good work. Yes. Thank you so much. No, I, I look forward to many more of these conversations. It's always good to be on and, uh, I will see you guys and talk to you soon. All right, All Philip, right, take you. care, man. That, that is, uh, Philip Ensler, uh, the, the newest member of the, uh, the Alabama house from the democratic party. And listen, I, I think it, what he said is, uh, is exactly right. And, uh, you know, I just think that what the way that campaign ran for him was the way that's the winning message for Democrats as to, uh, that is a roadmap for getting this thing done and turning things around. I agree. I could not agree more. All right, let's slide out of here. Uh, we'll come right back and uh, and wrap this thing up with uh, with Randy Kelly and. Uh, mm. That's gonna be a hot yeah. one, baby. That's yeah, a hot one right there. You wanna, you're gonna want to hang around yeah. for that, I think. Uh, so. All right, we're back in a minute. Alabama politics this week. Everybody, if you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics this week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks.
Welcome back to Alabama Politics This Week. David Person, Josh Moon, and we are glad to have with us a man who's been in the news a little bit recently. If you keep up with Alabama politics and if you listen to this podcast, you keep up with Alabama politics. Uh, Dr. Randy Kelly is with us. He is the chair of the Alabama Democratic Party. And of course, I know him primarily and first and foremost because he is also the senior pastor of the Lakeside United Methodist Church here in Huntsville. Uh, But he has been a part of democratic politics in this state for a number of years. Uh, and, uh, so we, we may get into a little bit of that history, but we've got some current event stuff to deal with first. Dr. Kelly, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for the invitation. Yes, sir. So, uh, you, you caused quite a stir in the, uh, in the media as well as in the, uh, the, uh, the Alabama political world with the. Uh, and I'm calling it an open letter, but you may characterize it differently. The letter that you sent out, I'll just call it the letter that you sent out, uh, in which you uh, made some very uh, strong allegations about your vice chair, Tabitha Eisner, vice chair of the Alabama Dem- Democratic Party. And and basically, uh, I would say deemed her to be persona non grata in terms of her relationship to the party and to you. Uh, can you can you tell us what led to this this decision to make this a very public declaration about Ms. Eisner? Well, first of all, it wasn't meant to send to the public. It was just to the people that Eisner had sent within the Democratic Party. So okay. she made that public. And actually, uh, I have uh, repeatedly sent correspondence out to uh, the party, uh, the SDC. And of course, she was sent follow up messages uh, behind my correspondence. And also, I noticed what she did an interview with uh, one media entity, and she was the co chair of the party. Well, in the Democratic Party, we don't have any co-chairs. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've had personal talk about it. She don't speak for the party. She's the vice chair. I was the vice chair for two terms. And the vice chair is just the chair in the absence of the chair with the chair's permission. I got uh, assistant pastors. They're not the senior pastor. You got uh, assistant coaches. They're not the head coach. You got assistant principal. They're the vice President, that's not the president. So I'm the official voice for the Democratic Party. And okay. that's the role, role that I played as the vice chair. And that's based in your bylaws, the chairs. That, and so this specific correspondent, she called a, a press conference uh, with the members without my knowledge, without my consent and my permission. And so I just sent that out to them because she had sent it to all of the members and what have you, but she made the spectacle by, you know, making it public. Okay. So you, you've referred to a very specific incident. Um, you said that she called for a meeting with uh, party officials. Is that, I want to make sure I'm following you. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. She sent the letter out to all of our uh, email lists in the party. 
And so I just sent that out, you know, just, you don't, uh, when you're the chair, you know, you, you, the, you, you, the vice chair is not the chair of the part. It's just as simple as that. So, um, have you and Ms. Eisner had any conversations since your letter became public? No, we hadn't had any conversation. And there's no point in me. I'm, I try to stay away from drama as much as I can, but she tends to be the type of person that keeps a lot of drama. Now, uh, she ran for chair uh, in the previous administration when uh, Chris was uh, chair. And from my understanding, she fell out in the floor and started screaming uh, and started crying and screaming. And I noticed that when I call a convention in Montgomery, she got into a heated confrontation with two people in less than five minutes. In fact, I had invited one of them on the line. So Mrs. Tabitha has some personality issues. And, and, and she's still running for chair. I think that's what she's doing, trying to run for chair, but uh, she's not the chair. And we have to draw the line there somewhere. You know, I, I don't, uh, that's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of juicy stuff for me to avoid, but I think I'm going to try to avoid, um, a, a lot of it and, and kind of move, um, in, in a, in a direction here and, and just, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of people, I, and let me just say, you know, from, from the folks I've, I've spoken to, and I think a lot of people, uh, in the, in that I'm talking about, <clears throat> and when I say that are people who are kind of like me, we're, we're on the outside, uh, looking in, um, and we, we see the direction of this state. Uh, we know that things are very poorly run by the Republicans who continue to be elected. Uh, we are uh, we we all share, I think, um, uh, probably ninety nine percent of the same beliefs politically, and I think that most people from the outside looking in see this argument as another in a long line of arguments that have taken place at the top of the Alabama Democratic Party that have um, served not really to aid us in the overall goal of creating a viable second party. Um, I guess what what I think most people want to know is, is, is there a way that we can move past this and set some goals that everybody can pull towards and pull people all together up there. Is that a focus of yours? And, and if so, I mean, is there any portion of the plan that, that you could, could let us in on? Well, that is my position. In fact, we have been in the process of building coalitions, even working uh, with entities out of state with candidates and uh, being in direct communication with them. Um, I share the same sentiment you share. We have more in common than we have in difference. Also, but I realize that we have to rebuild the party. And the state that I inherited the party in, took over as chair, was at an all-time low. 
uh, as far as funds is concerned. Um, the previous administration basically depleted the treasurer. And of course, they will get six-figure salaries and, and big salaries and what have you, but no candidates were winning. But it's not uh, that administration or even administration before that, as you know, that the Republican Party has been growing over a long period of time. In fact, mm -hmm. it is growing directly in response to perceived Black progress. You know that um, when Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act, he said, I feel that I'm going to turn the South over to the Republicans, but that's the right thing to do. Then many others left during the Civil Rights Act with Project C in Birmingham with Dr. King and Reverend Fred Shelsworth. And then in the uh, late 1960s, then 1968, uh, that galvanized the uh, moral majority, as they call themselves, and other groups to go to the Republican Party. So it's basically been the white flight part. Mm -hmm. And so, but my, my position is, is to let the people know that we have common issues. Uh, we um, uh, didn't come here on the Nina, the Penton and Santa Marina, but we're all in the same boat right now. If we're black and we're poor and the Republican is just, basically their policy is pro-rich. They're not, mm -hmm concerned about raising the minimum wage and not even talking about a livable wage. Um, you had the issue of women's right to choose on the ballot. You had a lot of um, uh, issues such as uh, education, uh, where we talk about this uh, political spin on critical race theory and there are many, many other issues. Even um, uh, uh, some of them is talking about bringing Social Security up for a vote and what have you. And so uh, I feel that the masses of uh, people in Alabama has much more in common than they have in uh, difference. Yeah, no, I, I, I think we, we agree there. I, you know, um, and, and I, I don't want to dwell really on, on, on Tabitha Eisner and, or, or speak for her, you know, but I, I do think having dealt with her, especially from a media standpoint, uh, she's very, you know, I, I know your, your thoughts, uh, about the, the drama or, or whatever that, that she may or may not bring, but, you know, she also is a very passionate person about, you know, what's kind of going on, um, and, and what's going on in the party. Is there not a way, um, that, that that can be utilized uh, because it, it also seems like she has a lot of people who, who follow along with her and, uh, and, and rightly or wrongly believe that she's, she's doing really good things for the party. And I think she has done some good things for the party. I think the stuff that she did about redistricting and stuff, we had her on to speak about that. Uh, I thought it was all very informative and very well done. And she had certainly done her research and, and it seems like that's an asset to the party. And, and it, um, and I understand I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm not taking a side here. I'm just saying uh, it seems as though that there's there might be a way to utilize her and and the uh, and the enthusiasm she has uh, here, you know, in, in some way going forward. Yes, if you can challenge in a positive direction, because it's not just me that there's several other people has had concerns about her behavior, and also some of her posts and what have you. So. But anyway, I'm not going to deal with this other issue any further unless you just want to, because yeah, no. yeah. I'm a no, that's fine. That's, that's, that's a, yeah, that's, yeah, that's very fair. Uh, you know, 
Because I did want to ask you, uh, and, you know, and, and, and I personally wouldn't have sent the email out. It was just a courtesy email. Mm -hmm. And just based on uh, my past experience in working with her in a conversation. So seemed like none of that sunk in. And of course, not only have I been uh, the vice chair, I was elected as the associate uh, associate state democratic chairs, the vice chair for the whole southeast region. And so I know a little bit about the part. I've been in this party for quite some time. Right. No, no, certainly, certainly. Nobody, nobody's questioning your credentials in this at all. And, and but that does bring me to, to the last thing I wanted to ask you about. And because there, there have been some people uh, who have questioned um, uh, your allegiance, I guess would be the best way, your allegiance to Joe Reed um, and and what direction the party is going to go in now with you as the chair. And and I think a lot of those people have assumed um, that this now is, is Joe Reed's party once again, uh, that this is, you know, that, that now things are going to go back to the way that they were uh, under the Nancy Worley uh, regime and that uh, there are going to be there are going to be some problems with with fundraising. There's going to be some problems with this or with that. And that we're it's going to everything's going back to this stagnant party of, of the you know mid 2000s, I guess. Um, I, I, you know, what do you what can you say to convince people that, first of all, you're your own person? Yeah, that you're not beholden to Joe Reed. And secondly, that this party, it, you, you have a plan to move the party forward. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you this. Uh, Joe Reed is one of my longtime friends. Mm -hmm. We've been working together since the 80s. And the man is like a father to me. His sons is like my brothers. And I don't believe in trade my old friends for new friends. And Joe Reed has been a political legend. Mm -hmm. And I don't give a ham sandwich what people say about my friends. You can have whoever friends you want to have, but I'm going to have mine. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and my friends don't have to be the ones that you're comfortable with, like Herschel Walker and those kind of folk. But Joe Reed has done as much for the party as anybody else. We have as many Black elected officials per capita based on this political activism. He had to sue the cities, the counties, uh, in order to have city of uh, 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 black elected officials, county commissioners and city council people and school board members. Also, he drew that district, congressional district, that allowed Earl Hilliard to serve in as the first congressman since Reconstruction that Terry Sewell now sits in. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, I'm going to use the wisdom of Dr. Joe Reed. And then I'm also the vice chair of the Alabama Democratic Conference. I came up through the ranks of the Alabama Democratic Conference. Uh, I was a member of a church of one of the founders of the Alabama Democratic Conference, which is the Independent Black Caucus of the Democratic Party. And I came up as a member to a local chair, to a regional chair, to the vice chair of the Alabama Democratic Conference, to the Democratic National Committee, to the uh, vice chair of the Black Caucus of the Democratic National Committee. So I've come up all the way through the ranks, through the uh, ADC. So yes, I have a law to the ADC. And, and, but I'm open-minded. I'm really concerned about bringing younger people in, energizing the party, of course, dealing with um, uh, 
uh, the technology um, aspects of it that we really need to be dealing with. But in this transition that we had in the short period that I had since I've been in, uh, we had a, a turbulent transition. Uh, as you know, the party was extremely divided. But one thing about it, you mentioned Dr. Reed, but another thing you didn't mention that if you were there when I was elected, there's never been that many black people that voted for one black person from across the state of Alabama winning against two candidates without a runner. So not just Dr. Reed, I'm a, the political action chair of the NAACP in this county. I am the social actions chairman of the Greater Huntsville Interdenomination Ministerial Fellowship on the board of the Interfaith Mission Service. So I've got a lot of friends and that's just one of them. Um, I'm going to, uh, Dr. Kelly, I'm going to suggest that, uh, well, first, let me, first, let me, let me echo what Josh said. I don't think anybody can make any credible attack on your credentials. I think you, you have your legacy, you have your history with the Democratic Party in this state, just as as uh, Joe Reed does. So uh, I don't think anybody can can attack your credentials. But I do think that we can say, based on data, based on the reality, uh, that uh, the Democratic Party in our state is in serious trouble. You've, you've talked about the financial challenges, you know, that, that you faced coming in as chair. Uh, we have seen now a situation where, based on my calculations, uh, no Democrat who ran statewide was even able to get 40%. In fact, most got in the 30% range in terms of the total vote. Uh, Democrats in Madison County, some of them were able to get as high as 40, 45% of the, of the overall vote. But, but we have seen, even though there, there, there was no red wave nationally in Alabama, we are as solidly red as we've ever been. The Democratic Party is in trouble. So my question is, what are we going to do and how can we how can we fix the party if its top two people are publicly at odds the way you and Ms. Eisner are? Well, first of all, I'm not the problem. That's what I'm sharing with you. Ms. Eisner has been the problem. And basically, my letter was in response to a problem that I had tried to discuss with her uh, for some, quite some time, ever since you know, we've been elected. And so uh, uh, I could chair the party without the vice chair. And I've got an executive committee that I could work with all the rest of them. She just might be one that I might not be able to work with. But on the other hand, her role is not the chair. Her role is not the chair. And, 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 let, I, me, and, let, me, and let me yes, share sir. this about, about the party. Okay. You mentioned statistics. We need to study all those statistics. But mm-hmm. some of the positive things I saw 
in the last election, and you were at some of those forums, same forums I was at. Yes, sir. I'm glad you injected that. Is how coalitions came together in this election with a losing cause. And then I think the main thing is organizing. Uh, we're in the process of organizing the, the state now, clergy, uh, organizing on college campuses and what have you. And the reality of it is, though, that people are voting now across racial lines. And we got to somehow bridge the racial divide. And I think that uh, one of the solutions is reaching younger whites, bringing them back into the party. Because some of the older crowd it might be, you know, too far gone. We're going to try to get it everybody we can. But some of these folks are really wired up. And again, that's been the reality. But now, on the other hand, if you look at Alabama, it has more black elected officials per capita than any other state in the United States. That's something that is really not really talked about. Uh, and uh, you look at Birmingham, you look at uh, Montgomery, yeah, you have uh, uh, black mayors in those cities and what have you. So we're not really totally suffering politically, but we just hadn't won uh, the statewide offices. But it takes time to to organize and rebuild. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're right about the ascension of black politicians in the state. I think Birmingham and and uh, Montgomery are great examples of that. And then we see, you know, of course, uh, you know, black officials who've been elected in other places. But 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 my concern is it goes beyond just the uh, election or the ascension of black officials. I think that certainly is an important metric because of the history of this state. Mm -hmm. But it's not the only metric. Mm -hmm. And 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 I think the metric that concerns all of us, mm -hmm. regardless of uh, race uh, or gender or any other of those uh, uh, artificial dividers, uh, if we are Democrats, the thing that concerns all of us is we seem to be trapped in a losing spiral, and 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 I and I think what we saw on Tuesday. Uh, was really deflating for a lot of us. When you look at the numbers and you look at, at how widespread the defeats were, even with candidates, and, and you know we're up here in Madison County, Pastor, even in, even in Madison County where we had uh, black and white, some really strong, viable candidates who were well-resourced and well-funded who lost and one of them in particular, I won't name her, uh, was highly touted. We all thought she was going to probably win, lost by double digits. So I think the dilemma that we're wrestling with is moves beyond just this one metric uh, mm -hmm. as it relates to the ascension of black elected officials, but the larger consideration of how do we get this party back on a winning track? Yeah. Well, it's not going to be resolved shortly, and it's not a simple process. Otherwise, it would have been done already. But we got to sit down and strategize uh, again, work with the National Party and, and uh, uh, do some training, train people. We offer training on a consistent basis. We have uh, the Best Practice Institute 
National Democratic Training Committee, exposed that to the people because I look, I'm a former elected official, a former city council person. And from my experience, it's three things that's always helpful for candidates. You need uh, a message, machine, and some money. Those are three basics that a lot of our candidates really don't have. If you have a message, you can build a machine and you can raise some money. And then if you look at the uh, metrics, as you call them, you will see that the percentages kind of coincide with the um, racial demographics. The black people are about 28% of the population, and you will see a number of our candidates received about 28% of their votes, particularly on the statewide level and what have you. And we're still voting on racial lines. And I think one of the problems is we've amended the Constitution but we had not amended our minds and our hearts because some whites, not lumping all in one category, has been conditioned to vote for what they think is white rather than what they know is right. Hmm. Well, I don't- and, and in fact, yeah. I'm, I'm meeting with the desegregation committee right here in my church tonight and some lawyers from the federal justice system. See, we have this thing, we have been wired up real good with the educational process. Um, 1894, the United Daughters of Confederates started a movement uh, called the Lost Cause Movement to glorify Confederate history. And in the process, they eliminated Black history and also influence of white people of goodwill. So men have been bombarded and programmed with this Confederate ideology and what have you. So we're still fighting the Civil War. See, until we can get past that and see that in our best interest, we still gonna have what we have. And you have Republican candidates that run for office. They can't tell you what they're gonna do. I listened at how articulate that some of our candidates was that we heard and how gifted and skilled, as you just mentioned. But they didn't hear the message because they couldn't hear the message because they couldn't see past the color. Hmm. All right, let me ask you one final question. Um, if, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the issue with Ms. Eisner because I think it's, it's public enough now that we have to factor it into um, what happens in terms of the party's future. Um, if you and Ms. Eisner are not able to resolve your differences, however that happens, what do you think the impact is going to be on the party, and especially as it relates to what you're talking about in terms of recruiting more younger whites to the party? Well, I don't think that the issue, I'm going to let the executive committee deal with Ms. Eisner. We have, you know, bylaws and what have you. And then if Ms. Eisner's behavior is out of line, we're going to give her no confidence vote. And then if um, she don't straighten up from there, then the executive committee can vote off. 
But now my thing, I hope to work with her, but I can't work with her if she's going to think that she's chairperson. That's where the problem is. In fact, in uh, when I was in the ORET, it says that too many cooks were spoiled in a stew. So we both can't be chair at the same time. All right, Dr. Randy Kelly, chair of the Alabama Democratic Party. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us. You've said a lot. You've been very candid. Uh, I know that there are going to be people who hear what you've had to say today who will be nodding their heads in agreement. And I know there are going to be people who hear who will hear what you've had to say to us today and who are going to be shaking their heads in disbelief. And I think you've made it pretty clear that uh, you're not concerned about people's points of view, about your positions. You, you've staked out your positions and and so we're going to it's going to be an interesting ride to see what happens from here on out with uh, with the Democratic Party. But we thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate yes, you taking the time. And thank you for your invitation. Anytime. In fact, I'm a former talk show host. <laughs> <laughs> Birmingham okay. and Anderson. I had two I talk think, shows in Anderson. I think yeah. he might be trying to take your job, David. I think that's what, yeah, he's, yeah, I think right. that's what he's saying. Here. Is that, I might need to apply for a job on y'all station. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Th- thank you, Mr. Kelly. I we really do appreciate it. Uh, it was it was a it was a really nice conversation, and uh, you know, I I, I hope. Uh, for for the party's sake, that uh, we can we can come to some resolution here, and uh, that that maybe you know uh, we, we find a way for everybody to work and pull together. Because as we've said, I think everybody involved in this whole thing yeah. agree on ninety nine percent of the issues and, and and have the same ideology. And so I I, I just hope that uh, that we can build on that in some way. And a, and a final word is it's nothing personal, just a matter of respect. See, I've served as all kind of vice chairs, but I've never tried to take the chair's place or do the, do the chair's job. That's just a simple issue as far as I can see. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, th- thank you, sir. We really appreciate yep. your time today. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate y'all. Okay. You know, that's, um, <clears throat> it's... Um, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting another interesting uh, situation for the uh, for the Alabama Democratic Party um, and um, and you know and and I hope I like I told like I told Dr Kelly I hope that it's um, uh, it's something that that can that can be corrected uh, that uh, that can that we can get past and that uh, uh, you know I. I, I I mean I've heard listen I've heard complaints about Tabitha Eisner you know. I've also heard a lot of praise about Ty Thosner. Mm-hmm. Um and and so I, I don't discount what what Dr. Kelly said about her at all. I don't I don't discount that. I, I think that there are things that you know, and, and like in every, you know, dust up like this sort of thing, there 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 are right and wrongs on both sides. I I you know, uh, I get that. And I but I just I think my overall stance here is um Let's let's just stop. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's just. Uh, there's this whole other big red machine out there uh, that that has to be uh, overtaken, um, and 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 this is not this is not helping in in that in any way. No matter again, I'm not, and I'm not preaching 
to to Dr. Kelly, I'm not preaching to Tabitha Eisner. I'm preaching to to them and everybody else here. Let let's let's kind of settle this and and move forward. And then once once you take over, then you can have these fights. All right, then you can argue mm-hmm. about this from the you know from the top perch. Uh, right. You can you can start kicking people off because I know the right right now you're you're essentially battling for control of the Titanic. Um, and you know, and I don't mean the Titanic after, you know, it's hit the iceberg. I mean, at the Titanic in its current state, uh, yeah. because it's, you know, we're like, it's lying at the bottom of an ocean right now. And I, I just, I, I can't see where, where this moves anybody, uh, any closer to, to relevancy or to a second party. So I'm going to, I'm going to use a different sort of um, analogy to to try to contextualize this. Um, When my first wife and I divorced, Mm -hmm. we had to go to a parenting class. No, we didn't go together, but but by law in Madison County, uh, in order for the divorce to be finalized, you have to go to a parenting class when you have children. So we, I went to the parenting class. And um, I sat, this was over 20 years ago, I sat through what was probably two, two and a half hours of presentation. I don't remember anything from that parenting class except this one thing. The presenter said, he said, it is now no longer about you. Mm -hmm. It is now no longer about your spouse. It is only about the child. That's the only thing that matters now is that child's well-being. All of your disagreements and disputes and who did what to whom and all that, it's not relevant anymore. The child's well-being is your priority. And I think that, that, that his advice to us as parents that night is analogous to what I believe has to be the posture of the the leadership of the Democratic Party in Alabama. Yes. I think it has to be that it is no longer about us and our disagreements and our disputes and who did what to whom and who should be respecting whom. No, we're in a situation where the child, mm-hmm. and in this case, the child would be the party and its its future candidates. Right. The child is the focus. Yeah. And if we cannot do what we need to do for that child, then we don't need to be in the positions that we're in. And and while I have a tremendous amount of respect for Dr. Kelly and and like you, I've heard good things about Tabitha Eisner. I've heard bad things about Tabitha Eisner. Mm-hmm. I've had extensive conversations with Tabitha Eisner myself. Um, I have respect for her as well. But I think that this is bigger than Dr. Kelly and is bigger than Tabitha Eisner. And so my feeling is, and I, and I don't see, even though I understand what Dr. Kelly just outlined for us, I don't see how removing Tabitha Eisner in the wake of everything that, that has happened this week, I don't see how that advances the party. I think what that does is it just puts us in a more perilous position as it relates to the the ability of the party to exist. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if, if as a result of that, if if something happened that was similar to what Judge Mark Kennedy tried to do, what was that, fifteen years ago, mm-hmm. where they tried to set up a new party. Yeah, now, granted, yeah. we can say, okay, yes, and that failed, and yes, it did fail ultimately. Yeah. But at first, it got a lot of traction. Yes, it did. And this is a different day and time. And, and it so, doesn't help. That's the that's the you know. And you're, it doesn't you're, help. You're 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 right with your it analogy about the child. I mean, it's a great analogy. I mean, it's a really really great analogy because it doesn't. It doesn't. None of this. None of this is going to put a, a single person on on the ballot that's a viable candidate. None mm-hmm. of this is going to help in fundraising in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. None of this is going to uh, to solve any of, of the of the training issues or any of the other things that are, are going on or the communication issues that are that are out there. Um, you know, I, you know, there, there's all there are people that are right now uh, tracking uh, with like a like a Fox News poll tracker uh, at the bottom of the screen how many days it's been since the Alabama Democratic Party social media accounts have tweeted or posted things. Um, and I know for the Twitter account, I want to say it's four months or so mm. since anybody has tweeted out a message. Mm. Um, that's disheartening for a lot of people. And and so to, to kind of prove the point of what they're up against, our, our right wing nut of the week this week is going to be uh, the Alabama Republican voters mm. uh, that. And as an example, we we're going to we're going to talk about. This race where Dexter Grimsley, three-term incumbent Democratic senator, uh, uh, state uh, representative, right, lost to a guy named Rick Ream, mm-hmm. who, if you've not heard of Rick Ream, well, you're not alone because <laughs> I can almost assure you that the people that voted for Rick Ream had never heard of it, mm-hmm. uh, because I know uh, for a fact that in se- mid mid to late September, Rick Ream didn't have a campaign website didn't have a campaign Facebook page, had never posted about running for office on his own Facebook page, mm. had done nothing, had not mm-hmm. raised a single dime. His first donation came in on September the 30th. Okay? He raised more money from individuals in Florida than he did from individuals in Alabama. He raised mm-hmm. a total of Alabama individual donations of about 1275 bucks. Wow. Uh, the rest of his money came from the Alabama Republican Party, mm-hmm. who put him, who funded him to put to put his name on the ballot, who funded to send out some mailers, who funded to put up some posters uh, for him. Mm-hmm. That was the totality of his campaign. He mm-hmm. went. Other than that, he went to uh, a couple of Rotary Club meetings and a couple of uh, Republican women's events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he was also he also went to a Barry Moore speech or somebody else's events uh, a couple of different times. Aside from that, the man did nothing. He beat a three-term incumbent that mm-hmm. people liked mm-hmm. down there. Dexter Grimsley was somebody who people genuinely liked and responded well to across racial lines. Uh, you know, there, there are a number of Republicans who called me yesterday and said, I can't believe Dex lost, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Really like that guy, and yeah, he's down there in Abbeville, uh, and and well liked, and and uh, as you said, uh, you know, seemed to be uh, doing a really fine job. I I, I had some interaction with him uh, when uh, Miss Reese uh, Miss Reese Taylor's case uh, came to uh, right, came, became public. Uh, 
and uh, seemed like a great guy doing a great, trying to do a great job down there. So, but but this this in part speaks to the the racial dynamics, I think, and the racial polarization that Dr. Kelly was just talking about. Yeah. But uh, you know, again, my point is though, I think that that uh, if the party makes a decision to remove Miss Eisner without, uh, you know, yes. It, it's just. I think it's just going to exacerbate that. Yes, it's, it's just. It's that. going to exacerbate it, and there are, oh. you know, and and in some kind of way. And I mean, this is this is. It's easy for us to say and talk about. We're not seated in Dr. Kelly's seat or in Miss Eisner's seat, but but I think there's got to be a more. Uh, I'll just say a more productive attempt to to get older whites and older blacks and anybody else who falls into the category to mm. move past some of the, some of the, to re- I don't even want to say move past, but to reconcile yeah. themselves, uh, get some reconciliation going beyond the past hurts, beyond the past missteps, beyond the past bigotry. And, and, and that's, what's got to happen. There's got to be a healing session that goes on because this is not sustainable. Yeah. And the direction we're going in right now is just going to lead to, I I think it's just going to lead to the destruction of the party. Really? Uh, As the kids say, this ain't it, man. This ain't it. Yeah. Uh, I, I assume the kids still say that. I don't know. Hell, maybe old people say that now. Well, you know, um, yeah, it, the kids only say stuff for about five minutes, and then that's we're, true. we're and left then, saying it for about, what, uh, a year, the rest yeah. of the year? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, once once we start saying it, they've probably long since stopped yeah. saying it. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, but uh, listen, I, you're right about all that. I, we we got to get out of here. We, we've given these people way too much information and good stuff for today. So let's uh, let's let's slide out. Um and and listen, you know, let's hope everybody can come together, um, and 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 let's put uh, put the good of, of the state and the party and uh, everything else above above ourselves, and and see what we can get accomplished. Uh, but uh, you know, until next week, y'all be safe out there. Peace.